Glad you guys are here. We're excited to be talking about skeletons in the closet. And so we're going to unpack this today because all of us have a past. All of us have things we've done that, that we regret. There was a, a shoplifter. He wrote a letter to a department store and he said, Dear, you know, so-and-so, whoever's the manager of the department store, um, I'm a Christian. I just, I just became a Christian and I just, I feel guilty. I'm having a hard time sleeping at night for stuff I've stolen from you guys. So here's $100 uh, from what I owe you. And so it included the check, you know. And then he said, P.S., if I feel guilty still, I'll send the rest. Don't you love that? So just... <laughs> Just real honesty right there. You know, it's like, let me just see, let me see how I feel, you know. But we all have things we've done that we regret. We all have things we feel, we feel bad about. And so that is something that everyone deals with. And, and the truth is, at one time, it wore it proudly. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you guys have some, how many of you guys have decades worth of clothing in your closet? Anybody have over a decade? Anybody have that? A couple? Yeah. Some, how many of you guys have sizes sections in your closet? Yeah, come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? You're like, I used to fit. Like your section, I'm like, I hadn't seen that section in a long time. I'd like to get back to that section, but you know, and we won't give it up. We're like, no, if I throw it away, that means I'm never going back. So I, I'm going to hold on to it. You know, having a seat, even though, you know, those, those pair of pants won't even go over my left thigh now, I'm still holding on to them just in case it happens. You know, let's, let's take a look at our closet. We have all kinds of things, don't we, in the closet. So this is what you call an armoire. Say armoire. It's a French word. It's such a great word. So here we go. You know, we have all kinds of stuff in our closet, but really what does the closet represent? It represents our past. It represents so many things that we used to wear. How many of you guys have clothing you used to wear that you're a little embarrassed of today? Where's my Z Cavarici crowd? Come on. Hot topic. Come on. Come on. Hot topic. Come on. Right? Colored skinny jeans. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about, right? Parachute pants. Anybody in the crowd? Exactly. Some of you are like, all the young people are like, what is that? Just don't worry about it. It's just, it's bad. It's really bad. But we have, we have things we, we used to wear that they're a little embarrassing, right? I mean, they, they just don't fit us, fit us that well, you know. And the truth is, is that sometimes a closet represents previous lifestyle choices as well, doesn't it? You know, just, just things we used to do. Maybe you got pictures with one of these in it, you know. Anybody? Anybody? No? no? Like, it's just a cup. No, no, no. No, it's not just a cup. It represents something, doesn't it? Yeah. So, or maybe, maybe in your closet you, you have some more serious stuff that you kind of hide away that you don't want anyone to know about, so you, you just keep it tucked. Maybe for you, if you're honest, when you start digging around your closet, you start to feel some guilt from the skeletons that are there. We've all done some stuff that we regret, that, that we're embarrassed of, right? And the problem with guilt is that if it's not handled right, is it leads to shame. So we, we feel guilty for what we've done, and guilt can actually lead you to God. So it can actually make you say, God, I'm so sorry. I, I've, I've done some things I really regret here, Lord. And I'm, I'm just really, I'm, I'm sorry. But if you don't handle it right, guilt turns into shame. See, guilt is when I feel bad about what I did. Shame is when you say, I am what I did. So we start to carry the shame of stuff. And the problem is if you carry shame too long, eventually it leads you back to making the same bad decision you did before, which leads to more pain. So you go from feeling guilty for what you used to do to this is, must be who I am, so therefore I might as well just do it again, and I'm back in pain again. And the pain leads you back to doing what? Feeling guilty again, which leads to shame, which leads to doing it again and leads to pain. Can you see the cycle here? It's easy to get stuck in this guilt, shame, pain, guilt, shame, 
pain cycle. So today I want to talk about kind of how to break that cycle because I believe that we all have some skeletons in our closet that we need to get rid of. And so have you ever found yourself stuck in this? This, this repeating habit? So what do, we, what do we do about that? Let me show you what the Bible says about that. Can I do that real quick? Check it out. Let me show you scripture because I think it, there's all kinds of verses I could have used on this, but I just want to mention a couple here. Psalm 32 says, Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. All of it. So God doesn't just want you to, you know, in today's world, it's all just like, let me just, let me just tell everything I do. And somehow what we want to do now is, is instead of calling it sin, just somehow justify it. We like, oh, it, it, there's no thing as sin. Just be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. But there's still sin. And when, I, when people challenge you with this as a pastor, they'll say, well, I don't believe in that. You're making me feel guilty. And I'm like, I'm not making you feel guilty. I don't even know what you've done. But I just ask them, how's that working for you? And in an honest moment, most of them will say, well, it's surely not. Well, see, the, the answer is not going to be trying to, trying to call sin not sin. The answer is going to be instead to go to God. But we, we think God is this cosmic killjoy that's wanting to take all of our fun away. That's not it at all. He knows that you are stuck in the guilt, shame, pain pattern, so he wants to break that. So what God does is he comes along, and we think God can be so cruel and mean. But the truth is that's not what he's trying to do at all. What he's actually trying to do is help you understand that he wants to remove your guilt all the things we've done, we just go to God and say, God, I'm just so sorry. And God says, okay, let's clean that out. Then the shame that we carry, God says, I want to remove that too. Isn't it funny how we think God is so rough on us? That he seems abusive to us. But the truth is God's not trying to be abusive or rough on you. The only thing God's rough on is your sin because he knows what it does to you. So God came along and he says in scripture that he takes your sin and he throws it as far as the east is from the west. So God says, I totally and completely forgive you. And now your closet is completely cleaned out. No bones about it. But I'm just had to say that. Sorry, just had to say it. But it's true. God wants to completely clean out your closet. So here's the good news is all that is removed. So here's the problem, though. Several things still remain. So what remains once God's cleaned out your closet? Once you've been forgiven, is there anything that remains? There's this old uh, Twilight Zone episode now, not Twilight movie. Don't confuse that. That's the whole fall in love with the vampire thing. Not that. Twilight Zone, the, the show, like from the 60s, like the, the really old one. They've done a re new rendition, but there's, a, there's this great episode to where this guy, you know, his car breaks down. It's pouring down rain. It's kind of a typical start of one of these shows. And so he's walking along, trying to find a place, you know, trying to find some cover. And he sees this old medieval mansion. He walks up, knocks on the door. The guy answers, it's, it's a mansion full of monks. And the guy says, well, the only, we only have one bed. It's downstairs in our dungeon, in our prison. But there is one prisoner down there. Don't mess with him. Don't let him out. He's like, yeah, okay, no problem. I just need a bed. So he goes down there to, to sleep. And the prisoner next to him starts talking to him. He says, hey, you got to let me out. They got me trapped in here. They got this sword blocking my way. Would you just remove the sword and I can get out? And the guy's like, what is the deal with the sword and this and that? He goes back upstairs to the guy named Jerome that's in charge. He says, hey, Jerome, there's a guy downstairs. He says that you're crazy and you're holding him you know, hostage. And you know, he says, don't listen to him. The guy is the devil. Do not listen to him. And so I've got the sword of truth holding him back. 
He says, don't let him out. He's like, okay, whatever. So he's like, that guy's not the devil. He goes downstairs. He's trying to go to sleep. The guy keeps bugging and pestering and pestering. Finally, he says, you know what? This is just a regular guy. I don't know why they're holding him back. So he removes the sword of truth, and the man comes out, poof, instantly turns into this horrible creature, like the devil. And then he says, thank you. Now I can un unleash my, my wrath on the world. And then poof, he disappears. The guy feels so bad, he goes back to Jerome and says, oh my gosh, that guy really was a devil. How did I fall for him? Jerome says, I know, I, I, he, he can do that to a lot of us. You remove the truth. And once you remove the sword of truth, we just, we don't see it anymore. And he goes, I can't believe it. He, I didn't recognize him. And he said, that's just it. The devil is unrecognizable to most of us. That's his strength, is that we don't see that it's him. Guys, that, that shame you're feeling, that's not of God. That's of the devil. And he wants to keep you in lock. He wants to keep you locked up, focused on what you've done. But God has a better way. But even after God removes our sin, even if we know the scripture that talks about how he forgives us of all our sins, how he throws our sin as far as in the east and the west, we still deal oftentimes with guilt because there's, there's three things that remain. Can we unpack this today? Can we, can we get rid of those three things? Let's do that, okay? So here's the three things that remain. The three are this. Number one, your memory. So you say, I mean, I know God forgave me, but I still have this, this memory of it, right? Scripture says in Romans 12, this is how you take care of the memory. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. We have to let God renew our mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see, the devil doesn't care whether you feel guilty or not. He just wants to make sure you're so focused on your past that you miss your future. So, he, so did you notice that the reason you need to renew your mind is not just so you get rid of the guilt, but so you can discover what God's will is for your life, for the great future he has for you. God says, I just want to keep you so marred and so focused on your past, you don't even think about your future. So how do we renew our mind? Well, that's what the word of God, that's what we're doing right now. We're renewing our mind right now. We're in church. You know, that's the power of, of God's truth. We, we literally are renewing our mind as we're here. But, you know, the best way I can describe renewing your mind, uh, there was a guy one time, a pastor friend of mine told me about this, this young man that come to him. And he was newly married. I think they had a baby uh, on the way. And, and the man said, you know, I'm really struggling, Pastor, because to be honest with you, you know, he said basically in high school and college, my early singles years before I met my wife, I was very promiscuous. This guy said, I just kind of had my way with the ladies. This guy was a really good looking dude. And so he, you know, just kind of had his way. And so he had a lot of memories. And he said, I just, I really struggle with that. And this pastor gave this incredible advice. He said, have you ever been down a sidewalk that wasn't mowed well, like a, like a yard that, that they just kind of let it go, eventually you can't even see the sidewalk anymore. That's that memory. If you will, the key to the memory being covered up is to quit walking it. And if you'll just quit walking it, quit talking about it, quit, quit ruminating about it. The Bible says don't meditate. It says, it says meditate on the word, not meditate on those old thoughts those old memories. And if you'll just instead focus on your future and what God has for you and on his word, on his truth, and on moving forward, eventually you won't even be able to see the sidewalk anymore. Eventually your memories will just be covered up. But as you keep reminding yourself of those things, you keep walking that path. Instead, quit walking and remembering that path and eventually it will be covered up. Let God renew your mind. Someone get excited that God can renew your mind today, right? Isn't that good news? He can. The second thing that we still remember is our past relationships, right? Some of us have friendships, maybe past dating relationships that remind us of the things we used to do. And so it's easy to get caught up in all of those things. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts 
good character. Wow, most, most of us are like, I, I thought that was just something my mom said. I didn't know that was in the Bible. But it is, it's, it's the word of God. He says bad company does corrupt good character. So if you go back to old relationships, you're going to go back to doing the things you used to do. L- let me explain just, if I can, for a moment. Uh, we have these synapses in our, in our brains. Neurologists tell us that, that um, what, what fires together, wires together. Well, let's take sexual sin, for, in, for instance. It's so exciting that our synapses and dopamine are firing off at the same time as we're doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing. And so when those fire together, they wire together. So that's a synapsis that we remember. We, we can't forget it. Like, oh, I remember how, that, how great that was in that moment. But, but you know it's wrong and you know it, it destroyed your life at one point, but you're still drawn back to it. So eventually you have to deconnect, you have to disconnect that synapsis. And the best way to do that is quit going down that path. Does that make sense? And one of the keys to your synapses is it's not just what you're doing, but who you're doing it with. So old friends that you used to hang out with, when you hang out with old friends, you do old habits. You go back and do old things you used to do with them. And so you associate those synapses, those thoughts, those, those ways of doing things, those paths are connected to certain people. So what's the answer to this? Well, this may sound a little cold, but you got to get new friends. You got to make a decision to build some new relationships. Check out this video from our prison ministry. I'm Pastor Jeff Feltz and I oversee the prison ministry here at Church Unlimited. One night when I was leaving the McConnell unit, a gentleman came over to me and handed me a letter on our way out the door. He said he wouldn't be able to see me again and he wanted me to know why. And this is the letter that he wrote. I had a little talk with you on Tuesday about me turning my life around and giving it to Jesus. A chance to correct this mess that I've made out of my 55-year-old life. I'm gonna keep it short and simple. I started my prison career at the young age of 16, way back in 1980 on a murder charge. It's been nothing but downhill ever since. Right now I'm working on my fourth time down with over 35 years in and out of the prison system. Like most guys in the prison system, I got involved with the prison gang, wanting to be bad and recognized for all the wrong reasons. Well, let me tell you, after 27 years of being down with that prison gang, I'm pretty much fed up with it. I'm 55 years old, and I don't have any reason to do all this negative stuff I've been doing. It's time for a change, and I honestly believe with all of my heart that Jesus, our personal Lord and Savior, has the answer. Right now, this is something new to me, but I'm willing to give it 100%. I know Jesus Christ has a plan for me, and I'm willing to meet Him more than halfway. I've started taking the necessary steps to go through the program to be an ex-gang member. So sooner or later, I will end up, for my own security, in segregation. I just wanted to thank you and Pastor Bill for all you've done in my life through Church Unlimited. Once I'm in segregation, I won't be able to attend church any longer, but I hope it won't end there. So I'm giving you my name and my number. Hopefully we can work something out to stay in contact. I have nothing but love for you as a Christian brother, and you played a big part of my life as far as me making the decision I've made. So thanks for everything, for being a wonderful Christian brother. May God's blessing be with you and your family always. Your brother in Christ, Rudy. Wow, so good. You know, first of all, let me just say to Rudy, I'm proud of you, man. I know it's a really hard thing to do. I want to encourage you that going through separation is the right thing to do. That's when you get out of a gang, they have to separate you. Uh, Your life is at risk. But let me just ask every one of us right now, who's your gang? Who are you running with? Every time I see someone from our prison ministry that, that goes back into prison again, Guess what happened before they did another crime? They got back with their old friends. So who you run with determines who you become. What you do is determined by who you're around. So I just want to challenge you to just ask the question, who's your gang? It may be time to separate 
from some relationships. I'm not trying to say you need to go to someone and say, hey, you know, call them up, be like, hey, we're done. I don't know what this phone is like, by the way. It's like, who does that anymore? Anyways, but, you know, whatever. Now we're doing it this way. Hey, 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 I just wanted to tell you. This is old now. This doesn't work anymore. So. Anyways, <laughs> sorry. Now we're like, click, hey. But you a lot of people are walking through and you think they're talking to you like, what was that? And they're all like talking. Some guy thinks I'm talking to him right now. I don't know what's going on. But you have to call a friend. You have to say, hey, we're done hanging out. No, no, don't do that. That's not going to go well. But instead, you learn to lean on new friends, new relationships, right? This is why I think there's great power in joining a church, being a part, because you make friendships here. This is what's great about serving. This is what's great about life groups. I love it. It's right in the title there. It's, if you go to a certain group, you get life out of it. And so they really are life-enhancing, life-enriching. And so I want to challenge you to join a life group today. We have, in our atrium right now, at all of our campuses, there's an opportunity for you to sign up for a life group. Just get involved with other people and, and hang out and make some new friends that are going in the right direction. This may be something simply, that, oh, that's just a little program they're offering. No, it may save your life. It may save your life. So please don't blow this off. In fact, why don't you join a life group before you need it? That's the best time to join one. They are powerful. It really can be a game changer. For, so the three things that remain are our memory. And, and, and of course, the answer to that is, is to have a renewed mind. And the second one is our past relationships. And the answer to that is to recognize we need new relationships that would be a game changer. Wouldn't it be great to have new relationships? Think about that. Instead of Saturday nights, by the way, may not be as fun, but Sundays aren't full of regret. So new relationships are a game changer for you. So I want to challenge you to get some new relationships that really can help. There's a true story about a guy named Rogers Cadenhead. Great name, by the way. Rogers was a, was a he, he called himself as a self-described domain hoarder. He bought domains for a living and he'd sell them. He tried to think ahead of when things were going to be wanted and he'd buy the domain and then sell it to someone, right? And so, well, he noticed that the Catholic, the Pope was about to retire. So he knew a new Pope was coming. So he quickly bought PopeBenedictXVI.com. He bought that and thought someone's going to come calling and I'll be able to sell it for a high dollar. So he put it on eBay. There was all kinds of offers. It got up to $16,000. And then finally, the actual Catholic church called, Rome called, right? So he's like, okay, what do you guys want? And then, and then he thought, you know what? I'm not going to sell it to you because I'm Catholic. So instead, I'm going to give it to you, but I have three conditions. And these are conditions. This is a true story. Condition number one, can I get one of those really cool hats that the Pope wears? <laughs> I love that. This is real. This is a true story. Condition number two, I want a free stay in the Vatican Hotel. There is such a thing as a Vatican Hotel. And the best one was condition three is I want complete absolution for the third week of March in 1987 with no questions asked. <laughs> I thought, what's in March? I realized spring break. That's what's in March. So what did he do in March of 87? Don't we all want to know? But don't all of us want complete absolution? Like, God, could you just completely forgive me? And God's like, of course, you don't need the Catholic Church to do that. You don't need the Baptist Church or any other church to do that. God forgives you through his son, Jesus. That's who forgives you. It's really true. So I want to encourage you, the third thing that still remains after we've cleaned out our closet, is after God has, is your memory, your past relationships, and then the third one is your old habits. Sometimes we go back to that synapsis. We just have certain ways of doing things. Our mind just knows this is how I do things. This is how I have fun. This is how I blow off steam. And a lot of times those ways of doing those things are, are wrong and, and don't line up with 
God's word. So how do we change that? Well, next week we're going to really unpack this about how skeletons, your closet, once, once God removes the skeletons, we still have to live differently. So next week's message is called Walking Dead. Don't miss it. Are you noticing the Halloween theme yet? Anyone noticing this? <laughs> Don't miss next week because we talk about how to walk dead to your sin. I promise you it will be a message that will speak to you. And if you have a friend or family member who could use this, please bring him. If you have someone maybe who's trying to really get away from their past, this next week, this week, next week, and the third part of the series are all going to be game changers, I promise you. Because it's God's Word, and God's Word simply works. So how do you get rid of the old habits that you used to do? It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so if you're a Christian basically, right? The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. So you are a new creation. Creation means to what? Create. So it's time to create new routines, create new habits. So the answer is to cut a new path to create a new routine. This is the power of going to church. This is the power of serving. This is the power of of getting involved in a life group. This is the power of changing who you hang out with. What are you doing? You're cutting a new path. You're creating a new way of, of doing things. So I want to encourage you, you know, maybe you're getting a new job soon. You know, when you get your new job, be a new you when you show up, right? Create new habits. No one knows your old habits there. You're going off to school, be a new you. And so that's an opportunity. And so I know that sounds funny, but maybe you need to change your routine. Maybe you're like, every time I come home from work, I do this, I do that. Why don't you take a different road home? And then stop somewhere at a park or, you know, maybe if you're near the beach or whatever, and just and get out the word and just read a couple of scriptures. You're creating what? A new habit. And so you have to cut new routines and create new habits for your life to change. You have to break out of the old way of doing things. So you know what? We go back to our old closet, but God wants us to, in our old life, have new ways. And to do that, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet who bring good news. And so one of the best ways that you can change your life is to actually begin to invite people to use your feet to tell other people about the gospel. And so let's get some fresh kicks on and recognize that one of the ways that we live a new life is by inviting old people into our new life. You're the best witness, by the way, is someone who takes the gospel with their new feet. Guess what? They take the gospel to someone, they share about how God's changed their life. And when people tell me, oh, I don't have much to share. Yeah, you do. You have your personal testimony. Talk about how God's changed you. No one can take your testimony from you. It's the most powerful thing you have. If testimonies didn't work, then why do they constantly hire Hollywood actors and actresses to sell a product? Because they know if so-and-so uses it, then I want to use it too, right? That's how that works. And so in the same way, testimony is not something that was created by a PR firm. That was God creating it, saying, you know what? Be a witness. Tell other people about me. So the two things you can do really to begin to live that new life is to share your new life with other people. Tell the people about it. Bring someone to church with you. Drag them here. Someone brought you. That's how you got here. And then the other thing we got to do, it says in the Bible, is to put on the new self. It says that in Ephesians chapter 4. Put on your new self. So what does that mean? The Bible says to put off the wrong things, put off the bad habits, put off the sin, and then put on the new things. How do you do that? Well, I wake up every morning and and I open the Word of God, and I get a fresh Word from God that I put on every day. When you do that, and then you share your faith openly with other people, guess what? God will use that in a personal way. God will connect you. Just the other day, I was out with my family having, uh, grabbing a lunch, and there was a guy behind the counter. We started talking, and one of my family members said, hey, um, do you go to church anywhere? I was so proud. I was like, look at that. They're witnessing right here. And I just sat there and watched. And, he, and the guy was like, oh, man, this may make you mad. But, you know, you don't need to go to church. You can find God anywhere. He started to give us that whole thing. 
And we're like, well, the Bible talks a lot about being in church. And so if you ever want to go to church, you know, and we didn't, I didn't argue with him. That was it. You know, we both just went and sat down. And then he came to find me. He goes, hey, hey, what was that church again? So I began to tell him. And then he told me, man, I just recently got out of prison. I got baptized in the prison. I started going to this group. And I said, man, you love our church. I said, I'm going to say this is not funny, but I told him, I said, our church, I, I actually started our church and it's designed for people who don't like church. And he was like, oh, I could get into that. I said, you'll like our church, I promise. Just being a witness. So how do you begin that new life? You got to deal with your memories and say, God, help me to block those out. Renew my mind. Those old relationships, time to get some new relationships. And the last one here is what? It's create new habits. Instead of having the habit of doing the wrong things, create the new habit of, you know, I'm going to use my feet to go invite someone to do the new thing with me, to go to church. And I'm going to put on the word of God. And you eventually, over time, will forget about the old you. God will renew you. And that is how you deal with skeletons in the closet. That's how you do it. In 1867, Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel one day woke up and opened the paper and went to the obituaries. And in that obituary section was him. And it said, Alfred Nobel lived this long. He died. It said, the Swedish chemist created the greatest mass weapon that killed more people at one time in war than anything ever created. Uh, he created dynamite. He became a rich man from it. That was an obituary. And he realized, first of all, he wasn't dead. He was alive. And he was reading it because he thought he was going to open up to his brother's death because his brother died the day before. But they got it wrong and accidentally wrote an obituary about him. And when he read it, he hated it. He was like, I, I don't want to be known as the guy who, who created a, a weapon that murdered people, that killed more people than anything in war. So he decided, you know what, I'm not going to be known for that. So he created a Nobel Peace Prize. And he uses resources to create prizes for scientists and writers who fostered peace in the world. And he has a famous phrase that he said, he said, it's never too late to midstream in your life stop and change what people will say about you. You can live differently. I don't care what your past looks like. God can change you, and he will forgive you of all your sins, remove all the skeletons in your closet, and he'll help you let that memory fade, create some new relationships and new routines, and then that leads to a new you. Would you pray with me, every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. I want to encourage you during this prayer time. Have you given your life to Christ? You can receive him by praying a very simple prayer. You see, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. Jesus died for us, paid the price for all we've done wrong. Then he rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to receive him. You can pray this prayer right now at all of our different churches, those you're watching online, those in our prison ministry. Right now, pray this prayer with me. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand high right now? If you just prayed that prayer, just hold your hand high right now. If you just gave your life to Christ, just hold your hand high. Praise God. There's hands going up all across our campuses right now. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. Just hold your hand high. Come on, Padre Island. Praise God. If you just gave your life to Christ, hold your hand up right now. All across our campuses, right here at the broadcast campus, hold your hand all the way in the back.
hold your hand high. If you're online with us, you can put, you can text it in the chat. Just say my hand's raised or click hand raised. Praise God. You're not alone. Many people just gave their life to Christ. Here's what's great about giving your life to Christ. Not only does he have a great future for you, but he forgives you completely of your past. That's how good Jesus is. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, that you've shown us. You've, you've made it clear that we can walk away and you remove all the skeletons in our closet so we can now simply serve you and follow you in freedom. In your name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.